0: The shit house. If you think we'll be inside forever or just well researched, we're here to say that's not the case. We'll just go out and wig it. We are two guys, one cup.
1: It is uh, Tuesday, June the eighteenth. Welcome to Two Guys One Cup and AFL podcast.
0: My name is Will Anderson, and my name is Charlie Clausen. And oh, hang on, sorry, Will. A uh, behavioral awareness officer has just stepped into my room. He's saying that, no, 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 from now on, crappy podcasts like this about the AFL are banned. We now have to only talk precisely about the results. We have to recap each game. We have to know who the captains and the coaches are of each club.
1: I mean, I'm actually in favour of uh, the behavioural awareness officers. In fact, I wish they could go through some of the comments we get about this podcast (laughs) because the amount of times we've been called flogs and knobs and dickheads and stuff for the way that we put this podcast together. We need to get ourselves a behavioural officer just to edit
0: our YouTube comments. I mean, it's gone crazy, isn't it? Like, every year I'm like, what is going to be some... What is going to be the most unexpected blow up of a story in this year's AFL? And it seems to be this is the crowd behaviour has become the big one this year. Joffa. Joffa threatening to not go to a game until he gets an apology from Gil McLaughlin.
1: Wow. Well, the fact that. Well, you know what the thing is, Charlie? The only thing that is bigger to me than the fact that uh, Joffa threatened to not go back to the football until he got a, an apology from Gil McLaughlin. By the way, Joffa bravely made that offer. Uh, the Joffa offer, as I like to call yeah, it. Yeah, the Joffa. In the week where, yeah, the Joffa. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to make you a Joffa you can't refuse. <laughs> and so he made his Joffa offer uh, while eating a Jaffa. It was his Jaffa-Joffa yeah, offer. The and problem
0: was he got Jaffended
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> by by Gil. So he wants an apology.
1: Yeah. Um, so so he, he basically said, right, that I'm not going to go to the footy again, Gil. Hey, Gil, it's me, Joff, not going to the footy again. Joffa, the people's representative, the people's champion. He's the the rock. He's the rock of the AFL. Joffa. He said, Gil, um, if you don't apologise to me and all AFL fans, I, Joffa, King Joffrey the rock, the people's champion, the most electrifying cheer squad member in sports and entertainment. Uh, I am not coming back to the football. Um, he bravely said that in a week where Collingwood had a bye. Mm. So it was a pretty pretty brave offer of Joffa, <laughs> the Joffa offer, to uh, not come back for a week. Uh, but I knew that uh, Gil was in trouble, not when Joffa made that offer, but when Joffa teamed up. See, Joffa by himself, Gil's not going to apologise to Joffa by himself. Mm. Gil McLaughlin doesn't care about one Joffa. But when I heard that Joffa had teamed up with Trout and Joffa and Trout had both decided that they were going to boycott. I mean, I reckon if you're down at AFL House and you hear that Joffa might not be coming to the footy, I don't think they're panicked down there at that stage. No, But once they hear that Joffa and Trout are combining together to say that they won't go to the footy. I think then it's panic stations down at the AFL. Well,
0: what did you did you hear the apology today?
1: Uh, well, this is the, even the best bit, isn't it? That not only did Joffa and Trout demand an apology from Gil McLaughlin, <laughs> but they got one. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, look, thing
0: that really... it was to all AFL fans. It wasn't to yes. them specifically, but yeah, they will certainly take it as a victory.
1: Yeah. That, yes. They they heard it was a personal apology, but yes. It, no. I mean. Well what's your feeling about cuz you are a vocal This is actually supplier. we've talked about this a little bit um on the radio this week obviously it's been a big yeah. topic in Melbourne and I'm not a vocal no. football supporter as you know and it's no. not really my style at the football to to do too much yelling out really but you um, are a vocal football supporter. So how have you viewed
0: like this whole debate around crowd behavior? I like the theater of barracking. I like, you know, I mean, I grew up going to Marabon in which you would hear like some hilarious stuff going back and forth. But there's always been an... Like I. I'm not someone who cheers an opposition mistake. I'm not someone who vilifies a particular player or the umpire. I don't boo the umpires. I just barrack loudly for my team. And I think that is fine. I think it's... I mean, it it seems to be this, this, there's a common sense rule to this that I think most people understand that there's certain things that cross the line, especially, you know, if you're sitting in an area where there's kids around, then you don't swear, you know, or you don't be like too demonstrative if you're sitting around people who are clearly uncomfortable with your behavior. It's having, it's a sense of self-awareness. So I think that, I think the solution to what's going on lies somewhere in between because, It is ugly when you see a bunch of dudes getting pissed and punching on when the siren goes in the game. that's unacceptable. Racist comments are unacceptable, homophobic comments are unacceptable, and something does need to be done about that. But at the same time, this feels like an overreaction. And I think that, I also believe that sometimes you need an overcorrection in order to land in the right spot, because now it is a public debate and people are forced to kind of examine their own behaviour or the behaviour around them. My fear... Is that Australians tend to when they're told not to do something, they tend to do it even worse. Like I saw the, uh, I went and saw the Adam Goods documentary a couple of weeks ago at the Sydney Film Festival, and it's uh, suffice to say it, it's it's fairly grueling. It's a very grueling watch, especially as a an AFL fan, especially as a, a white AFL fan. The night I saw it, um, there was a lot of people from the Indigenous community in the audience, and it was especially cringeworthy watching what Adam Goods had to go through and was subjected to. And there was like vocal reactions from, uh, you know, indigenous people in the audience watching it because it was just, it was so outrageous. But, you know, I think what the documentary uh, shows you is that, yeah, look, there was definitely like a racist element. And, but then another element came in, which was this kind of defiant, don't tell me what to do element like this idea that you know it's a nanny state and you know if you tell me not to boo then I'm going to boo even harder and I think that there is a danger that that if they don't handle this properly they completely mishandled it with Adam Goods. if they don't handle this properly then you know maybe that could happen again I feel like maybe that's why they did clamp down so hard maybe there was this kind of like you know heavy-handed approach to it because it's like we want to just clamp this down before it gets out of hand
1: well, uh, it, it, it seems funny for such a stupid podcast that we do, but um, part of the reason originally when we decided we were going to do this was actually because of Adam Goods and what happened to Adam Goods. And we felt like as football fans who were supportive of Adam that the debate had been taken over by that sort of, you know, political correctness has gone mad mm. and we should be able to say whatever we want to say and Adam's a sook and, you know, I'm only booing because – and. I saw the documentary as well and I, I, I've got to say that because I wrote a, a couple of years ago in one of my shows, I wrote a huge piece about all the stuff around Adam and Adam Goods, and so a lot of it was really familiar to me, but mm. to see it all still in one go, yeah, like to see just how clearly, um, you know, and, and I think the bit that you're talking about is the bit that is almost the worst bit of it. Which is the bit where people then become... It becomes about the principle of you can't tell me what to do. Yeah. And it becomes worse. Well... There's no acknowledgement that the hurt is being caused. In fact, there's almost like when it tries to be corrected, mm. there's a doubling down of people almost
0: defiantly trying to go out of their way to do it. That's exactly what it is. It's a doubling down. And I think perhaps the most remarkable thing from that documentary is how good Mark Robinson comes out at the end of it. Like... There are a lot of people <clears throat> in the documentary who are attempting to do the right thing and fumbling it. And Mark Robinson is like the voice of reason. Like he's so, you know, he's passionate defense of Adam Goods and, you know, appealing to why aren't we doing more? Like this guy is out there on his own, taking all of this on his back. We should be standing up as a football community and doing more. Like I was staggered by that. Because the thing about the documentary too is that would have been the thing that I would have said to
1: all the other people who were getting it wrong. Yeah. I was like, guys, when when Robo is the voice of reason, you're yeah. on the wrong side of history. But <laughs> when <laughs> Robo is more progressive than you are,
0: you've got to pull up your fucking britches and do something about it. I, I just, I think because, you know, when we went through, you know, the three years that Adam was sort of getting booed, as footy fans, you sort of just like dipped in and dipped out of it, you know. What I think the documentary does really well is is just chart because, you know, for people who don't know, it's it's just done with archival footage. It's people in their own words. It's news clips. It's interviews. There's no – it doesn't feel like there's any shaping or manipulation by the filmmakers. They just lay out, you know, the chronological events as they happen. And then when you see it laid out end to end to end <laughs> like that, you realize – how relentless this thing was and how it just gathered steam and how this dude who, when Adam's um, interviews and press conferences are played in full, he's so reasonable about it. Like he's so reasonable about what he's saying and what he's asking for. You know, he's never, it's never a, a, a point of confrontation. It's not even... A Colin Kaepernick kind of, you know, very public protest. He's just saying these are the things I've learned about my culture and where I've come from. These are the experiences that my people have gone through. I think for us to move forward, there needs to be acknowledgement of that. But yeah, let's do this together. And that's the that is the. And cons- then everybody was like, "Boo, Boo. burn him! You're divisive." <laughs> it really is, but it, it's just it's um, it like I said, it was so uncomfortable to be in that cinema and watch it because you're like, shit was. I mean, how are you complicit in that by not doing more? Like, I do remember being active on social media and, and, like, you know, backing him up, and, and you know, we talked about it on the podcast and stuff, but it just sort of felt like, you know, maybe... Maybe, like, well, not maybe. A lot more should have been done at the time. I, I won't name names because it's,
1: it's unfair on these people, but I wrote a... There was a huge bit... Of, I mean, again, this is nothing compared to what... You do the only thing that you can do yourself and Mm. for me so i wrote a i probably had like a 10 minute piece about what happened to adam in one of my stand-up shows but it was also around you know the you know changing the date of australia day and it kind of you know dealt with a whole bunch of things but the adam stuff was the impetus for writing it the reason that i wrote in the first place was how strongly i felt about how adam was being treated and Mm. there were numerous sports journalists who reached out to me privately after having seen it or having heard about it to express that they were glad that I was saying this in a way that they felt that they hadn't been able to say it. Mm. And I reflected on that when I was watching the documentary because I was like, why did we feel, why did these people even feel that they couldn't say that? Yeah, why did they have to reach out to me, a comedian who was just like making some jokes and at the end of the day, making the jokes to a whole bunch of people who probably were already on the,
0: mm.
1: yeah, who believed in the things that I was saying, you know, I wasn't doing those jokes on the footy show, I was doing it th- them at the comedy theater in the comedy festival, you know, like, mm. hey, um why is it even that those sports journalists felt like that they couldn't be, you know, that vocal about it or on the on that side yeah. of it? I, that that confuses me in retrospect. At the time, I didn't think about it as much, but re-watching it, I was like, why, why was everybody so so out of touch on this or I felt f- like they well, couldn't actually say... Yeah, you because know, like you said, Robbo actually said it.
0: Yeah. You know, Robbo actually said what everybody should have been saying. Yeah. And I, but what I think, because I, I took a mate um, a mate of ours to go see it, who's a big footy fan as well, and mm. we were both saying that like we have friends who are not racist, you know, completely even-minded individuals and stuff. But on the Adam Goods thing, they will defend to the earth that they just don't like him. They just think he's a sook or whatever, you know, the other thing. And it's – and I think that's why – because if it was easy to sort of – if it wasn't – if there were no shades of grey, if it was easy just to say it's a racism thing, you know, it would be easy to defend. But because – you know, even in your own circle, you've got people who, on every other topic, you agree, you're in step, and you know they're not outwardly racist, but this one thing they've decided to take their stand on it does make you go shit. Well, you know, it's not as cut and dried. That's why I think maybe people sat in their but, hands. A but bit. the
1: funny thing is, it is like when you ask those people, like because like, I researched all this when I was writing this routine, mm. and there was all that stuff around, like you know, oh well, he stages and for free kids. Yeah, and he slides so I looked and- up. So I looked up, you know, where he ranked on free kicks and he was in nowhere near the top free kicks, you know, like not even in the top, you know, 100 mostly in all those years that he, he, you know, there was a couple of small incidences, but nothing compared to yeah, know, pretty you, much the same things that anybody but would I do. I think
0: it's, it's not just that stuff. I think it is that people get sick of people who they feel are overexposed, you know, and this is not... Adam's fault in any stretch of the imagination, but he was a news story. And I think people just got sick of hearing about it and seeing his face. And he was, you know, not necessarily through his design, made the face of kind of, you know, uh, whatever cause it was. And I think people just grew tired of that. But people get sick of overexposed celebrities.
1: I think, I look, I mean, I I will say in retrospect, I think the biggest mistake that was, like the worst thing that was done to him, and again, this was not of his making, Mm. but was that they made him Australian of the year while he was still playing. I think that was something that brought down that reign of, because, yeah, he was meant to represent, the Australian of the year kind of represent all Australians, but he Mm. was still playing a parochial you know, sport where people barrack for their own teams. Mm. and But he didn't run for that. You don't run for Australia of the Year. Like, he didn't get Tom Gleeson to run a campaign <laughs> for him to become Australian of the Year. Yeah. You know, like, he, he was given that. And, of course, you would say yes if, you know, you were appointed the Australian of the Year and you would use it. This is the other thing. He became the Australian of the Year and tried to use it not for his own self-gratification but to lift up others and ex- expose the plight of those who were less fortunate than him and he was actually willing to suffer mm. to try to help up others who did not have the same opportunities he i mean i just think he's a he's a great hero of of australia and the way that he was He's a great hero of Australia. He's one of the greatest champions ever in the history of our game. And the way that the game treated him at the end is something that it is one of the darkest stains on the history of our game. And I cannot, like, the thing is always, yes, maybe originally you weren't booing because it was racist. I'm fine with that. I understand that at the footy, you know, Mm. you can boo people and people get booed all the time. I have Mm. no problem with that. But when the racists started booing, stop booing. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you, like, you know, when everybody, it's like, you know, like if everybody else is raising their hand, you yeah. know, at the Nuremberg rally, don't yeah. put your hand up to go to the toilet.
0: You well, that's, know, like- well, that's the point that Kelly Underwood makes in the documentary. She's like, okay, so if you're not racist, then stop and let us identify the racist and deal with this thing. And then you can go yeah. back to booing him because you don't like the way he plays or whatever it is. But
1: Because they're ruining it for you yeah like you know they're ruining it for the people who just want to boo because you don't like him for some other reason
0: that's fine let's stop the racists from booing and then you can go back to booing him for whatever other reason i mean but it does it does make you kind of this this round especially like you know if you sort of look at you know what happened with ben stratton on the field and what happened with sydney stack and uh eddie betts like it doesn't like you've got one thing which seems like a great celebration you know and that's Criticised and analysed and taken apart. Then you got something that is clearly like not in the spirit of the game. That's so it doesn't it doesn't seem to matter. Like there will you're you're in a hiding to nothing in this game really. Especially if you're someone who uh, adopts a stance outside of football. Like I think that was a, you know again it wasn't Adam's fault because he didn't necessarily volunteer to be put into this position. But in a game that is so heavily scrutinised, like he was just he really didn't have a chance uh it, you know even now
1: i mean you you hope that these things have changed but bloody you know jeff kennett oh, you know, my just God. 2 days ago <laughs> by the way just as a general you know point of view anytime somebody starts a sentence with look i'm not trying to be racist but yeah. they're about to be racist yeah. so sit down and 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 Jeff doesn't understand the idea because he essentially said, and people are like, well, all he was saying was that, the, you know, the people who are the behavioral officers don't look like they have a you know, feel for the game, didn't grow up with the game. Yeah, he said that because he sees that they have brown skin and he assumes that they've just like arrived off a plane or a boat. Yeah. Guess what? Melbourne's one of the most multicultural countries in the world. Some of those people might be new arrivals to Australia. Some of them might be second, third generation Australians. You're fucking racist.
0: Yeah, but also... I can't believe
1: you barracks for Hawthorne, seeing their jumper is brown and yellow. He probably thinks that their jumper should go back to where they came from.
0: But also, I love the fact that the colour of their skin is more of a motivating factor than the fact that they are security guards who have been given a directive by their employers to stop any incidents of, you know, like aggression or violence. Like... That is more of a motivating factor than their unawareness of AFL, the spirit of AFL.
1: Right. I mean, it, absolute. So when the president of the Hawthorne Football Club is saying such ignorant, ill-informed, inflammatory, and let's be honest about what it was, completely racist things, mm. then you wonder how far we have changed as a game. From Because obviously we can't see... This crackdown on crowd behaviour, out of the context of the Adam Goods documentaries, there's clearly a link between the fact that the AFL feel like they failed Adam in how they managed the crowds, right? Mm-hmm. And I spoke to Bob Murphy. Bob Murphy's on uh, Willosophy this week, and I spoke to him about it because remember he wo- he wore so I just, Adam's number.
0: Just before you get to that, did you ask him about socks? Oh God, I did. Fucking hell, Will. Jesus! No, sorry, man. Get him I was back. Doing my other podcasts. We
1: talk about deep and interesting <laughs> things. But
0: different podcast, different audience.
1: I'll get him back. It was yeah. fine. It'll yeah. be good. We'll get him on this podcast. It'll be fine. Um, so I was talking to Bob about uh, you know because he wore Adam's number. Remember, he went out mm. to toss toss the coin, and he wore Adam's number. And to me, I think there should have been more of that stuff at the time. Yeah, I think if the players had led, like Virat Kohli, did you see that at the cricket where? Yeah. Uh, the Australians have been being booed because of the sandpaper thing at the World mm. Cup and then Virat Kohli who's the you know the Indian captain and one of the most famous sports people in the world he actually was the one who went to the crowd and said come on mm. and I think it is actually the players if the captains of the other teams if the players on the other teams had gone out there and done a little bit more about it I think that would have been the way to do it because nobody need nobody likes being told from the AFL what to do yeah. but they'll respect it from their own team and you, players
0: your captain if your captain does it and I also think like yeah if you look at the way the, I mean, the AFL is really well. AFL players are very good. Like after the Phil Walsh tragedy and after every game, the players would get in the middle of the ground and link arms. If they had done something like that for Adam Goods, I think it would have, it would have, it would have done a lot of good. Like, I think that's sort of, that's what people respond to is it's this idea that, and you know, a lot of players have come out since seeing the documentary and are quite upset that they didn't say or do more, but I do feel like, there has been a change. Like, I think Indigenous round is just getting bigger and better and there's more attention being brought to it. And I do feel like Indigenous players are feeling more included and feeling like they can speak up. And, you know, if anything good can come out of what Adam went through, hopefully, you know, boosted by these two documentaries, it's more awareness around that. And also, to
1: me, and that's why what you mentioned before about the Sydney Stack Eddie Betts thing. Yeah. To me, that's exactly the symbol of what football should be about from on the field to the crowd one of the things i've always loved about this game is like i like the idea that at the start of the game you could shake hands with an opposition you know supporter then for two hours you could have that sort of banter and yell and support and do all those sort of things and then you've got to remember at the end to also shake hands and remember it was just a game yeah and sydney stack and eddie betts no one could like gary lyon who just <sighs> somehow turned into Statler and Waldorf from The (laughs) Mother. It's like... I mean, did
0: you you buy his critique? I felt like that was a deliberate deliberate way of just creating something newsworthy because, I mean, come on. Like, no, no one could have watched that moment and thought anything other than, isn't that great? I mean, first of all, Eddie Betts is probably the most beloved player in the game. Four minutes to go, they're 40 points down. How is it anything other than a great moment? Like a young, up and coming protege taking on the old master, everything about it. If you're a sports journalist, you could write like, you know, pages and pages about that moment. So for him to come out and just be deliberately contrary, I'm like, I don't buy it. I think it's like that Andrew Bolt thing if I'm just going to come out and say the opposite of what should be said because I know it'll start a discussion, I'll have something to talk about on the couch tonight. Yeah, I,
1: you know what? That's exactly what it was like. And, you know, I don't want to be this person, but, you know, to quote Chris Chris Judd from a couple of weeks <laughs> ago, not taking moral guidance in life from Gary Lyon. But, yeah, sorry. It's, but to me, that's sport at its essence. You've got that the the champion, Eddie Betts, beloved, you know, like yeah, just an icon of the game, someone who's brought so much joy to everybody. You've got this young player who you know, has embraced what it means. I mean, doing the you know, the war dance, you know, at the Dreamtime game. This guy who's come into the game, he's made such an incredible impact. They've sent him to Eddie Betts, who he's probably grown up, like, you know, idolizing, mm. you know, a hero of his. He's done nothing but try to take down, you know, his idol, like in the fair way, but to, yeah. you know, to beat him on the day, you know, go in and test himself against the best. And then to hear later that all game he's been telling him, You're not gonna get one of your special goals tonight. Yeah, You're not gonna get one of your special goals. And then he gets one and then Eddie tells him, Well, you know, I got one. Then he gives him a high five. Yeah. Yes. That's what sport is. And that's the example that in the crowd, when Mm. people are like, oh, you can't even barrack at the football. We're not saying that. We're saying do it in the spirit of Eddie Betts and Sydney Stack. Do it in that way that it's shake hands at the start, then all about the competition. And then at the end, high five each other and go, well done, you got me. That's what sport should be about that moment.
0: Exactly. Exactly. That moment. Des Headland wrote a really good column about it today. And he's sort of talking about like, you know, Um, the brotherhood of indigenous players and what it actually means. And I mean, it's a great article, but reading it, I'm like, why did this have to get written? Why did this have to be explained? Like, I mean, clearly there's a portion of people out there who want their players to be robots or, you know, you can't show any emotion or it's even like going back to that Dyson Heppel moment with um, uh, Myers, you know, when he missed that shot on goal and they went up and smiled and stuff and people were like, Oh, he's the captain. It's like, fucking game's over like they lost you know what do you want him to do go off and berate this like 23 year old and give him like a a a complex for the rest of the season maybe the rest of his career but
1: also that's that's such an old-fashioned idea yeah like that's what's to me that's what's wrong with the world you know the idea that we're forgetting that at the end of the day it is just a game Mm. like it's a very important game and i don't think it stops you from trying your best and giving everything to then go when it finishes, to be able to you know embrace your opposition and say thank you because mm. the game doesn't exist without the opposition and it doesn't exist without this is the whole thing. We're not grateful. It's like the thing with the umpires. It's like the game doesn't exist without the umpires. We've got to be grateful for them. It doesn't exist without the players and the competition. Mm. It's um yeah it uh, to me that moment like I will take the Sydney Stack Eddie Betts moment over like the Brent, the Ben the Ben Stratton stuff. I saw people trying to defend Ben Stratton and the pinching and all that stuff. And I'm just like, what is this nonsense? Hawthorne
0: have had a really bad week. Like even Alistair Clarkson coming out and saying, oh, it's like a sandpaper gate and people are getting hysterical. It's like, mate, that's the fucking captain of your club. That is a real bad look. I mean, Stephen Baker got, was it 12 weeks or something? Do you remember when he was playing on Steve Johnson and kept niggling and smacking his injured hand and stepping on his toes and stuff and... But that was Stephen Baker. Like, Stephen Baker was known as, like, an agitator. That was his job. Like, the captain... And for him to come out and say, well, everyone does it. Yeah, okay, sure. I'm sure that shit happens. But your captain should be setting an example. You know, I just think it was just... The, the CEO of Hawthorne came out and made the right statement, but then poor Isaac Smith, why was he put in front of the media? He's not the right guy to be fielding those questions. Alistair Clarkson was sounding a bit Stettler and Walderfee as well, a bit crotchety, and then fucking Jeff Kennett. Jesus Christ, just shut up. Bad work for Haw- Hawthorne.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I think for Jeff Kennett though, like he uh, didn't trust Fantasia because of the color of his skin, and Fantasia was like, "These are bruises, yeah, yeah. these
0: are bruises." He goes, "What would you know? You've just got, got to the country." I mean, it is, it is, it is interesting. I was thinking about the Hawks, at, you know, because they're now all the knives are out for Hawthorne. It's like they're the oldest list going around. And did they make a mistake? Was last, you know, last year was maybe the it was like a false dawn and blah blah blah. But as a Hawthorne supporter, you can you can look, you've won one flag in twenty sixteen and you've taken a couple of years off. After three flags in a row, four flags in the space of five years or whatever it was, how long do Hawthorne supporters get off? Like a decade?
1: Well, this is this is also the reason that I reckon all this stuff's gross if you're a Hawthorne supporter. Like, you've had great success. There's no need to be nasty cheats. Mm. There's no need to be like, you know, entitled racist bully boys and these sort of things. It's yeah. just not a good look. Just lose gracefully. Like, you know, if you're gonna lose for a bit. Rebuild. You'll be back. But all this stuff's really nasty. Yeah. And even the even the roughhead stuff, I find like the fact that like I I roughhead going back to the VFL. I don't necessarily have a problem with that. That's you know, that's the LSR Clarkson way. But the fact that he just Looks like he's going to play out most of the rest of the season in the VFL. Like to me, Jess is like I don't I, I don't like that. But it's if, not. If, if he'll, that, he'll get a farewell game.
0: He'll get like yeah.
1: But that's all he's going to get. Yeah, is a farewell game. You're telling me that you can't. I I'd be finding a spot for Ruffin. You, you send him back for a while, and then
0: you put him back in. Surely. Oh, I don't know about that. I mean, that's just footy. Like you know, happens all the time. Where like you know. You just you, you give them a farewell match you know, once the finals are out of the question. I don't know that that's such a bad thing. Um, but it is, it, you're right, it is weird that they would, they would unless the way they s- created that legacy was by being racist and cheating. <laughs> you know, like, maybe this is a thing. Maybe we're only seeing Hawthorne for the team they are now. Like, maybe it was disguised because they had so many players that we loved and, you know, they were such a, a, a force of a team. But yeah, it's unbecoming. That's the word, Will. It's unbecoming of Hawthorne to behave like the way they're behaving. In fact, Mike Hal, answer for your team. Yeah, it's gross. It's
1: shitty. They've gone all nasty and gross, Hawthorne. Not a good look, Hawthorne. Not a happy team at Hawthorne at the moment.
0: You know who's not gross and shitty is GWS. Did you see any of the North uh, GD bus game where it was like neck and neck for three quarters and then they just, fucking, they just put the Ferrari... Into overdrive, and it was sweet to watch. There is, I don't think there is a better team to watch when they're on song than GWS.
1: No, they 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 are your when they're playing well, the best team to watch team, aren't they? Easily. Like they, it's also I think why why when it doesn't go well, they look really ordinary because Mm. their best. You know, like there are some teams that win ugly. They don't win ugly. They win beautifully or lose ugly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they, you know, they don't have the ability to win ugly. They're
0: either ugly or just beautiful. Yeah. But North Melbourne, it's interesting. I was thinking about them as well because I, I felt bad a few weeks ago when they were, before, you know, they went on their three-win streak and we were saying they're in an irrelevant club. And I was thinking about it. It's like, so for the smaller clubs like the Melbournes, North Melbournes, the Saints, all those kind of clubs, the problem is if you're Unless you are winning, you are irrelevant. Because if you're a big club like Essendon or Hawthorne or Collingwood and you're not doing well, then that becomes the story and you stay relevant. But but if you're a smaller club, unless you're winning, no one gives a shit. Like, no one cares. And it was so – that three-win streak that North Melbourne went on, I actually really started enjoying watching their games because – Will, dare I say it, I got sucked into the shin bonus spirit. Like but there was something really exciting about watching them play, and I sort of felt bad. I was like, Oh shit, I think I've completely written off North Melbourne when, you know, maybe their you know, Brad Scott style wasn't working for them or whatever it was. But it is this kind of challenge that you know, Bulldogs face this as well, this that us middle of the table teams have is that when you're not just smashing teams. Like how do you capture the public's imagination? Like St. Kilda, we've got six wins for the year. We're still in the finals race, but there's no excitement around it. There is no, there's no interest in it. You know, we haven't blown any teams away. We've won a lot of close ones. We've lost to all the teams that are above us. There's just, where's the story in it? You know what I mean? Uh, Hawthorne haven't
1: made the finals in half a season and then it feels like you know there's an inquiry into everything that's going wrong the Bulldogs won the premiership and won't make the finals three years in a row
0: and people are like yeah yeah it's quirky (laughs) I guess that's not what they would have wanted but yeah did you were you nervous on Sunday when you watched that game nah I I, I have bullshit in that last quarter you didn't get nervous
1: uh, no, I my level of interest in the Bulldogs this season is, I it's fair to say I am not invested, Charlie, uh, and I'm not sure that I want us to win. Like I'm in that point where I'm just like because I don't think we're going to make finals. Yeah, and as you know, there's not much point finishing sort of you know ninth to twelfth. You're actually doing yourself a disservice when it comes to the draw and draft picks and those sort of things. So, obviously, you want your team to try to win, and mm. you want to like have signs that they're getting better and all those sort of things but when it comes down to a close game and it could go one way or the other there's a part of me that can see yeah it's okay it's fine that we won Mm -hmm. but at the same time if we'd lost by three points that also would have been pretty much the same result and we might have got a better draft pick
0: you know yeah i agree i mean there's a line in the simpsons where lisa says that we're the mtv generation we feel neither highs nor lows (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like that as well. Like, I've been to a couple of Saints games now, and it's just like, well, at the start of the year when we, you know, were four and one, I was like, oh, okay. Like, maybe we're getting our shit together. But now, even if we make the finals, I think we'll, you know, we would sneak into the, you know, bottom half of the eight and maybe get smacked about. I'm already looking to next year. <laughs> I'm already looking to next no, year. No, Same. So
1: I look at a game like that and I go, Oh, Dunkley's like had five great weeks in a row now and like he looks like he's gonna be an A grader and you look at you know, Norton's still moving well and you know, to me it's like one of those things where I was more concerned with the fact that liberatore might have hurt his knee than I
0: was with the result of the game. Well, tell me, I have not really paid much attention to this Bulldogs player, but Jack McRae, is that his name? Jack McRae? Yeah. Okay. He's so, been a gun for about three years. Yeah. Tell yeah. me about him. Cause I was going through the like uh player rankings and he's like the, he's like seventh in the player rankings. He's easily like the Bulldogs best player more than Bontempelli. but I don't really yeah. know who he is or what he does. By the way, Jake Lloyd um, was also Jake Lloyd of the Swans yes.
1: was one spot above him. So. Well, Jake McCray is actually Jake Lloyd. He just puts a mustache on and plays for the Swans yeah, as right. well. When when we play the Swans, it's like Freaky Friday. At <laughs> half time he has to go and put a mustache on and play for the opposition. <laughs> Um, he's a gun sort of midfielder, um, you know, outside, oh, outside, inside, like a lot of those Bulldogs guys. But there's, we've got a handful of them, but McCray and and have been our best two. Hunter last year and now like Dunkley's, you know, up in that as well. Mm. So there's, there's, and look, Caleb Daniels had a really brilliant season. I reckon there's a lot to like with the Bulldogs, but all the things that I said at the start of the season,
0: we just don't have enough, we don't have any. Backline at all. Tall, I mean, you need some tall defenders. I mean, it'd be nice to have. Be nice if Marcus Marcus Adams hadn't hated you guys so much for some reason. What was his deal? Is like, is he even playing? It'd be everything? nice if da-
1: da- Dale Thomas. Uh, sorry, da- da- Dale Thomas. Dale Thomas. Uh, Dale Morris. If Dale Morris, um, you know, wasn't thirty six and broke his, you know, back, <laughs> broke his knee and his back <laughs> and everything, and the fact that Marcus <laughs> Marcus Adams just hated us and wanted to go somewhere else. And the fact that our best, other best backman, uh, Norton, turned out to be our best forward, so we don't have any backline at all.
0: Well, potentially your best backman was playing in the ruck and now plays in the backline for Collingwood too. Oh yeah,
1: our best backman wasn't playing in the
0: backline either, (laughs) and turns out it's going to probably make the All Australian team play for Collingwood. The Marcus Adam thing, like it's still, I just can't get over how badly. So after his let let's just recap. After his first year, he wanted a trade, right? Is that right? He wanted to go back to WA, and you guys said no, and so you kept him for another two years, and then he finally got his trade, but it wasn't even back to WA. <laughs> he went to Queensland. He just wanted to get as far away from the Bulldogs as he possibly could.
1: Yeah, we lost Adams, who was a big uh, backline player, and then we lost um, uh, Roughhead, obviously, you know, who was a tall player. Yeah. and uh, now our best uh, fullback is uh,
0: Caleb Daniel, who's four <laughs> foot five. <four. laughs> Um, did you see any of the Saints game? Uh, I didn't see it. No. Oh, lucky you. It was. That first half was some of the ugliest football I've ever seen. I don't know if it's because we're used to playing under a roof and we can't handle like gusty conditions or whatever, or if it, even if it was that gusty. But Jesus Christ, like every week I'll hear Richo at his press conference talking about, I've never seen us butcher the footy that badly. And I, and I want to say, mate, Last week. <laughs> That's when you saw us butcher the, the footy that badly. It was, it was virtually unwatchable. I, I've had a few games this year, ever since you clued me onto the fact that I can always just stop watching a game when I'm not enjoying it. It's been a godsend. There's been a few games this year that I've, uh, against top four teams that I've switched off <laughs> when I feel like the tide's turned. And after the first quarter, when we had failed to score against the Gold Coast, we'd kicked two points against the Gold Coast. And we're 30 points down. I was like, I think I'm going to have to turn this game off. But I'm glad I stuck around and watched the end. All I'll say is thank God for Jack Billings. Like, I feel like, hallelujah, finally we might have an A-grade player. It's taken us so long, but we might finally have an A-grade player. He is one of those guys where it it is funny
1: that sometimes we just judge so quickly so early, don't we? Mm. In that... Like, he was one of those guys who was drafted with everybody saying he's going to be a gun. And then he just had a couple of years where everyone was like, oh, I don't think he's going to be a gun. And then suddenly, oh, yeah, no, right. He's exactly what everybody thought that he was going to be at some stage. He is, you know, an absolute A-grader, no doubt.
0: Well, the problem was, and again, not his fault, he was drafted before Marcus Bontempelli. He went three, Bontempelli went four. So the comparison was always going to be made. But I think the problem with Jack is that they... Couldn't find a position for him because he's not—he's not a natural midfielder. He's not a tall enough to be a forward, but he has the attribute a- attributes of both. He's kind of like an old fashioned winger, really. But you're starting starting to see what he can do now. And if it's—I mean—we've got a lot of injuries. Like I, I was going through the injury list, and it's like holy shit. The fact that we're six and six this year, considering who is out of the side, is amazing. But if we could just if we could just unearth like two or three more (laughs) A-graders, because I keep going back to those, the last time we were in the hunt, and I look at that list and I'm like, will I ever see the likes out of again? Hayes, Revolt, Milne, Del Santo, Goddard, you know, like it was, you've got to have a bunch of those superstar players.
1: Yeah, but you, I mean, it is your injury list and like, you know, whether it be physical injury or mental health, you know, list, You've got some genuine super like guys who, if they all get going together, because mm. that's the other thing, is it's hard to be a superstar by yourself. Yeah. Whereas once everybody around you starts playing well, suddenly you realise, and we, you see this with these teams where you think, oh, all these guys are absolute A-graders. And then, you know, Richmond, Richmond's mm. a good example, right? Mm. Like there was a point of time where you were just like, oh, no, 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 every single one of their players is a superstar. But what you realise is when you take out the sort of top five or six of those players, then suddenly everybody else doesn't look quite as good either because they're not being given the ball by the superstars. Or, mm. you know, that when they kick it, it's not being made look, look like a really good kick because <laughs> the superstar runs into the right spot and marks it,
0: you know. <laughs> Speaking of the Tigers, did you know Alex Rance writes children's books? Yeah,
1: I mean, surely... I knew that every single stand-up comedian in Australia had written a children's book, but I didn't realise that Alex Rance was also in on
0: it. I saw him interviewed... Um, he did the ABC morning show this morning, mm-hmm. and uh, so he's written these children's books, but the first one is called, like, The Tale of the Tiger or something. <laughs> like, you know, it's not really, not really stretching too far, but he's based all the characters in the book, which are all, like, anthropomorphized animals, on his teammates. So there's a yeah. rabbit called Jack... There's a rhino who's called Dusty. Okay, here we
1: go. Let's see if I can uh, find a little... Um, uh, okay. Oh, <laughs> I love that the headline that uh, came up when I Googled this was, I'm not a robot. Alex Rance thinks fans <laughs> should watch their words. Clearly is a robot. That
0: is something a robot would say. Mike Al, is Definitely that something a robot something would a, say?
1: A robot would say. Um, all right. So we have uh, Tiger's Roar. Was the name of one of them? Ah, Tiger's Roar, not Tiger's Tale. Yeah, so Tiger's Roar, an inspiring and hilarious picture book about a tiger who wants to be his best. A celebration of self-belief, perseverance and teamwork.
0: Uh, It doesn't talk about what the tiger does on a Tuesday night as part of his regular routine before a game, (laughs) does it, Will? (laughs) Tiger's dad was not allowed back in the (laughs) jungle. Tiger's dad had been hanging out with some colourful animals in the jungle.
1: Tigers, a tiger was uh, just back from uh, Las Vegas with a swan. <laughs> uh,
0: there used to be a monkey who played for the Tigers who was the push-up king. <laughs> uh, tiger was
1: the champion of all the jungle. He was strong and bold and proud, and he sat at the top of the tallest tree. But one day the winds blew, the birds shrieked, the trees shook. And Tiger fell all the way down to the mud at the bottom of the tree and bumped his head on a rock. What will it take for Tiger to be able to climb back to the top of the tree? There you go. Well, when was that, what year was that written? Did it say? Uh, so Tiger's Raw uh, came out uh, June
0: 2018. Okay. Right. So uh, that, more, that was back when Twitter they were premiership favourites. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So, okay. So, um rabbit's hop is the new one yeah based on and it's a it's a jack revolt allegory apparently
1: well jack rabbit right that makes
0: sense uh so i'll
1: read more let's see okay jack rabbit loved rabbit island he loved his friends and family and all the little rabbits he loved being the best at hopping and chomping and nearly the best at zigzagging (laughs) but jack rabbit was restless so when he's cousin ah oh, ah oh, great what's jack rabbit's cousin called is he a, is he a rabbit or is he a llama <laughs> cuz he looks a <laughs> bit like a llama jack rabbit's uh, no you you're, you've gone a little bit uh, even too far away you've okay. gone too clever
0: Charlie. okay uh, still is he in the rabbit family
1: no but think about the nickname of jack uh, rabbit's
0: cousin okay ah uh, oh, he's a kangaroo yeah, Jack, when his cousin Rue invites him
1: to Big Island. I mean, look, I understand ex- what
0: he's doing. I think a little bit more separation from the people you're basing it on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just a little bit more separation.
1: <laughs> when his cousin Rue and his mate Joey ask him to light a dwarf at a Man Monday. <laughs> <South> Hang <Legham>. on, what?
0: <laughs> when some photos of Rue were leaked to the public. <laughs> He wasn't happy.
1: Uh, so when his cousin Roo invites him to Big Island, he's very excited and a little bit scared. Can he overcome all the challenges and get to Big Island and become the best rabbit he can be? So these books seem to have a, a, a similar sort of theme, which is overcoming some sort of a hero's journey and yeah. overcoming an obstacle.
0: Do you think the last panel will be rabbit on stage with the killers? <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> And he said, "Look on the Mr. Bright side. <laughs> You're not even trying, Alex."
0: <laughs> all right, let's have a look at uh, the last. Is it the last buy round? It is, isn't it? So there's only going to be a few games this week. Oh, uh, by the way, have you seen the Jaden Stevenson story? I just saw new- news breaking as I was sitting down to record this podcast. So, uh, what's yeah. give me the lowdown? Well, I'll give you all that uh, I
1: can uh, find so far. But apparently, there are reports coming through that uh, Jaden Stevenson um, is uh, set to be suspended uh, for the Pives game um, uh, because uh, he's he's placed a bet on Collingwood. Mm. So um, uh, less than $50, but uh, apparently uh, has bet on his own game.
0: So not good. Oh, mate. Could lose the shirt off his back and the undies off. Oh, no, just the shirt off his back. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know.
1: And and here's the thing. Um, I just don't know where he would have got the idea that you could bet on the
0: AFL. Yeah, I know. It's crazy, right? right? You know what I mean? Like <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. All right. Thursday night, first game. The Eagles take on the Bombers, the resurgent Bombers at Optus Stadium over in the West. Uh, Essendon have to win this game. They're going to stay in the finals race. West Coast, just looking a bit wobbly of late, aren't they? Like, I was... Three three or four weeks ago, I was saying, I think they're, a, they're they're my smoky to take the flag out again. But I don't know. They look a bit vulnerable. Uh,
1: yeah, look, they do. But they're hard to beat at home. Um, I reckon West Coast win. And I don't know if it's something that we couldn't talk about this week, because I know that uh, Mark LeCrosse has asked not to be mm. uh, uh, talk about it at the moment. But uh, we should at least acknowledge the fact that a lot of people sent us articles about the fact that Mark LeCrosse... Is a hero. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I in don't tragic th- circumstance, yeah. it's hard to. I don't think it's, it's it- hard to have a comedic interview <laughs> with Mark Lecar about yeah. what happened. But we should acknowledge that uh, Mark Lecar did something very heroic. Yeah, I right.
0: mean, I do appreciate people sending that to me, but I am not about to uh, bust out an impression when someone died <laughs> in a car fire. No.
1: Yes, much like Mark Lecar himself <laughs> thought you'd be, perhaps be respectful around <laughs> around that. But yeah. um, it's it's worth acknowledging that. Uh, He's a uh, that he did something very heroic.
0: Um, okay, so you're going to tip the Eagles in that game. Eagles win that. I'm going to tip the Bombers, and that's my luck of the week. Oh, there you go. Got it but, out of the way. All right. <laughs> Friday night, the Swans take on the Hawks the SCG, the Battle of the Birds. Sydney looking good. I saw them Oof. in the flesh two weeks ago uh, when you were on your when you were in your bye week, having your rest. Talked to Chamber about seeing Buddy in the flesh. You know what? It's really good to see Buddy playing well again. You sort of forget what an awesome footballer he is and to sort of see him live, so great. I mean, football is a better game when Buddy's up and about.
1: And how good a season is Papley having? I mean, I don't know if he is, but of the three or four Swans games I've watched, he has dominated in each of those games. So as far as I know, Papley's having an amazing season.
0: Don't you think the Swans always have some little short-ass... Player who's really good, yeah. like if it's B- yeah. Buchanan or Papley, or uh, who was the blondie before that, like they've always got this little nuggety dude who's quick and runs around and skillful. It's kind of like they have a factory up there for them.
1: But it's also they always, always seem to have one of those guys who like plays in the forward line who just loves goals. Yeah, like he always reminds you a bit of a school footballer. Yeah, yeah. like you know, in every day like, <laughs> there just be some guy who just love kicking goals, and it's the Swans always seem to have one of those guys. But yeah. Buddy back at his best. That was so good to watch. And that goal he kicked after the siren, mm. which clearly should have been play on because he ran around in a circle
0: before buddy's he kicked
1: arc. it. you arc. But, you know, but that's why I love that. To me, that's what... Why would you... would If an umpire had called that play on and he hadn't been able to kick that, then that's the sort of shit that you're like, that's not in the spirit of the game. Um, I hope the Swans win this. Hawthorne, after the week that Hawthorne have had, it's the sort of game that you can just imagine them going up there with a point to proof and actually shutting Sydney down. But um, uh, I, I'm going to say Sydney win this one. I'm going to tip Sydney as
0: well. Does Ben Stratton play? No. No, 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 no. Not not a chance. On Saturday, the Demons take on Fremantle, at the MCG. Oh, God, how do we not talk about fucking Frio? Ben, Str-
1: Sorry, Ben Stratton will be back um, in a couple of weeks, which will mean he'll be back uh, in time for the first of the month so he can have a little pinch of the punch. <laughs> hey. There you go.
0: Hey. <laughs> Uh, we can't, look, we can't let the episode finish without talking about how yeah. good Frio were. Because, look, we've made a lot of fun of Frio saying they've only got one player. But I think, suffice to say, Michael Walters yeah. is now yeah. the other player we know at Frio.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and and uh, Bradley Hill, who I, yeah, a couple Stephen of weeks Hill? ago, I thought was Stephen Hill. Yeah. And, oh, no, you know who I do? Like, I'm right across the romance between uh, uh, Cox and Ryan. Like, you know, I'm now following them on Instagram. I'm seeing them get their hair cut together. They get their hair cut together, which explains the haircut they have. There's a hilarious video that was sent to me um, after this week's game where everybody was talking about their their favourite moment from the game and, uh, you know, who'd been the real hero and everybody was talking about uh, Angus Brayshaw mm. and, uh, you know, his heroic moment and they go through all the players. So they're interviewing one by one and they're just like, Brayshaw, that moment. It was really... And Brayshaw, that moment. And Brayshaw... And then they get to Ryan and he goes, Coxie, when he did that thing. And then they just to Coxie and he's
0: like, yeah, it was me. I was <laughs> like, oh, I love the bromance between these guys. Hey, and also... I know he's been wearing it for a while, but Fife's elbow sleeve thing. Yeah, Fashion or necessity? Fashion. 100%, right? It's an NBA type thing.
1: Yeah. In fact, I suspect he's uh, hurt his elbow on purpose just so he can wear it. Uh, Okay. Now, Melbourne at But Michael Walters is an absolute superstar. Absolute
0: superstar of the AFL. Yeah, he'll be All-Australian this year. Lock it in. Um, Melbourne. What do you reckon? Do they have is there any point in them winning this game? They're not gonna make finals at the MCG. Frio, this is a good little, you know, finals run for them. They got a lot to play for. I just Melbourne aren't a backs against the wall team, are they? Like this is not the kind Melbourne of game you could no see. Them. Yeah, Melbourne exactly. have got
1: no reason to win this. Um, Fremantle, this is the sort of one that if they're gonna make finals they they should win. And this is always where in the past they can get themselves in a little bit of trouble, which is like Melbourne have nothing to nothing really to gain from winning this. Fremantle have everything to lose, which means that they could come over and lose it. But I think I believe in Fremantle. Mm, I do. I there's don't... a lot
0: about it's a lot about Fremantle that I'm enjoying <laughs> this year, I've got to say. Melbourne aren't a club that you think of like oh. when you think of Baxter Against the Wall or Shinboner Spirit or, you know, just digging deep and finding and even Hawthorne digging deep. You just don't see that with Melbourne. Like, they don't win games that they shouldn't win. <laughs>
1: mm, no. <laughs>
0: or that they should, it turns out. <laughs> oh, great. I'm so glad. I thought, are we going to go to an entire episode without potting Melbourne? Nah, no, good. Great. Thank you.
1: <laughs> it is not as much fun anymore, though. I must admit oh, that they wow, have now... wow, finally. They have finally reached the level of low-hanging fruit for me that I'm not even enjoying potting Melbourne that much at the moment. So, um but I'm definitely on board with
0: Freo, so I say Freo win this. The Saints take on the Brisbane Lions at Marvel Stadium. If the Saints are going to have a hope to stay in the finals, we have to win this game. Um, Dan Hanabry, a chance to come in and play his first game for the year after two weeks in the VFL. And Brisbane, a little, uh, little wobbly. Wobbling a little. A little, yeah. I mean, I think it could be a close game. If we play anything like we did last week, we will get absolutely killed. But I don't know. I think I've got a feeling. I've got a feeling we'll be, we could be a shot in this game. I would be interested to see. We made seven changes last week. We brought in like three, four players who played their first game uh, last week. So I'd be interested to see what they do, if they stick with those players or if they just make wholesale changes again. Whatever it is, it's going to be a team that is fairly unsettled who haven't played a lot of games together, which I don't think is the best preparation. Um, I'll tip the Saints. I reckon this is a real
1: toss of the coin, but I'm going to go with Brisbane. Just because I've believed in Brisbane this season, so I'm going to go with Brizzy.
0: Who would you want to see go further, Brisbane or Frio? Uh, I'd like to see them both make the finals. Yeah, no, I, I, I actually so would, say, saying I, that they both make the finals. Okay. Who do you want to see go further?
1: Oh, oh. If they
0: both make the finals, Gee.
1: Is it is it too early for me to say? say I'd like to see a Fremantle Brisbane grand final.
0: <laughs> that would be awesome. All right. Well, who? I mean, I know you've picked Geelong. That's your top team. Yeah. But who do you out of? If the eight sort of stays as it is now, who do you want yeah. to see? Who do you want to see win a flag? Richmond's um, in there. Brisbane's in there. Free. You know what?
1: I would happily see. I would happily see Fremantle play Brisbane for the right to take on Geelong in the grand final. All right, so you be, want to... that would be that'd be my if that is the final three if yeah if say Geelong beat Collingwood in in you know, in one of the matches and then in the other one Fremantle play Brisbane for the right to play uh Geelong on grand Final day that's almost the perfect finish to the season
0: I'd like to see either GWS or Brisbane that's my pick.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, that'd all be. It is actually exciting to have, like, new teams. I'd like at least one of those teams. Like, it'd be great to have one of those sort of teams that weren't really in the mix, you know, go deep into the
0: finals. That's what I'd like to see, I think. If you were a Canelio who's out of contract, possibly the best midfielder at GWS right now, reports yesterday that the Saints have offered him 1.4 million a year. What money would it take you to leave GWS?
1: Uh, I would uh, get Jaden Stevenson to negotiate (laughs) my contract and I'd say, you're going to have to get me double or nothing on that. (laughs) Um, No, I mean, why would you leave? Unless GWS do absolutely terribly in the finals, but why would you leave GWS? GWS.
0: So I mean, he would comfortably he could he could if he stayed at GWS, he'd comfortably be on like what about eight hundred thousand a year? You reckon eight nine? Let's
1: let's say he's on somewhere between eight hundred thousand and a million dollars a year, and he lives in Sydney. Yeah. he goes to the beach all the time. He plays for a great football team. Why why would you
0: why would you leave? What if the team? What if it was coming not from a St Kilda or you know Bulldogs or whatever? What if it was like a Hawthorne or a Geelong? Or, you know, one of the kind of bigger clubs.
1: Well, uh, what about... So, like, I mean, I guess if you have some real tie to Melbourne football and you want to be back in the heartland of Melbourne
0: football, then I guess that's a, something that we can't quite explain. Well, Hawthorn supporters a- are very cocky because of the Jaeger mm-hmm. connection. Apparently, Jaeger and Cogs yeah, are good really mates. Great mates. Yeah, they're really great mates. And it would just be so, like, it would be so irritating... <laughs> If Hawthorne, especially considering this week, if they got him, right? Um, yeah, absolutely
1: it would be. And if he wants to come back, I get all that. But all I would say is, it's been pretty cold here in Melbourne, Charlie.
0: Yeah. I was, and yeah.
1: I reckon there's probably been a few nights where Dylan Shields run out to train <laughs> you know, in Essendon, and he thought, I could be down the beach at Clevelly right now, yeah. earning pretty much the same money, cruising around the <laughs> eastern suburbs of Sydney and, and not playing for this shit
0: team in cold weather. But then that weirdo would be stalking me, that weirdo in that saint's hat would be stalking me on no. morning walks. <laughs> uh, Port Adelaide take on Geelong in Adelaide on Saturday night. Um, Port licking their wounds. They hung in there with Frio. They're actually pretty good, you know? I mean, this is another frustration. See, we're, we're on one side of the table, mid-table, that are just middling about, but then you're a Port supporter and your team is slightly better than us, so you're middling about on the other side of the middle of the table. So what do you do? What do you, how do you solve a problem like Port Adelaide? They, can't, they just can't seem to beat those teams consistently, the teams above them. I think they still, their best players are very good, Port mm. Adelaide.
1: But when you look at their best players every week, it's always the same. It seems to me to be at least always the same players. Yeah. So it feels like it's that next level down. They're missing a lot of, yeah, obviously guys who'd be in that team. Um, But it it does feel like whatever, you know, when they say your bottom six or whatever, it feels like that's where they're missing out at Port Adelaide.
0: Michael, can you just see, can you just look up the Chad Wingard trade to Hawthorne to see what Port Adelaide got in return because I'd like they to got Rosie oh right oh so Adelaide, don't worry about yeah, Michael. So... so Port Adelaide clearly won that yeah
1: it's a win absolutely lock it in happy about that got rid of Wingard got Rosie yeah good deal and there, and there was some there was some other things but it was basically so that they could get Rosie that's well worth it yeah see you later Chad <laughs> yeah see you Chad good luck mate see ya wouldn't want to be
0: ya uh, okay so who wins this game Geelong have to lose Uh, sometime.
1: They Geelong do have to lose at some stage, but um, they're not going to lose this
0: one. Good team, Geelong. I don't know, man. I get the feeling that maybe Port could surprise a few people. I'm going to pick Port because I'm feeling in a generous mood. Last match, your boys, the Mighty Western Bulldogs, take on the pies at Marvel on Sunday. Let's hope the crowd behaves themselves well. In a
1: game that there is absolutely no chance that the Bulldogs could possibly win. Uh, but anyway, I pick them every week, Charlie. So that's my
0: lock of the week. No chance at all? No chance. Can you, all right, give me your four-quarter uh, prognostication. How does it unfold? Um, first quarter. What happens the first quarter? First
1: quarter, well, the problem is we have no tall back line. So, uh, Caleb Daniel lines up on Mason Cox.
0: In fact, Mason Cox looks down and ironically thinks Caleb Daniel is his cock. he
1: has got a helmet, Caleb it's tiny. Starts climbing Mason Cox.
0: He'll look like the guy in Beyond Thunderdome. You know, Master Blaster, the little guy on top of the big guy.
1: <laughs> um, um, yeah, so I can't a, see there's any way that we would. Do you hang um, in there? Uh, do you match them? Not for three even quarters? hang in there. I wouldn't have thought. All Unless right. Collingwood are so thrown by the Jaden Stevenson thing, um, but I, I just can't. I just can't see us matching up against Collingwood. They're too good. Um, English in the ruck, who's yeah, you know, an emerging player who one day might be a Brodie Grundy type, but will just get taught a lesson by. Brody Grundy, you'd imagine. Mm. Um, We're probably okay in the midfield. I reckon, you know, we'll match them pretty well in the midfield, but down back and down forward, they're just going to be too big for us.
0: All right. That is two guys' one cup for this week. Um, I'm heading overseas for a couple of weeks, so potentially we'll we'll have a a guest in my place. China Um, trip, right? You're going to China? I'm going to China. (laughs) Going to Shanghai. Been asked by the club to do some investigation, (laughs) work out what the fuck went wrong. (laughs) For next year's,
1: you're going over on a taste testing, you're going to some local restaurants around the ground for next time. They've just gone, Could you go over? We'll give you a thousand dollars. Just go over and dine at a few places, see if you get sick.
0: I'm doing a tour of all St. Kilda's famous international venues. I'm going to Shanghai, then I'm going to the Cape Tin in Wellington. They're actually sending you over to, uh, to visit Geary, Jaring- who's still there in the hospital. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Don't mention the war. Um, No, I'll be away for a couple of weeks, so uh, I'm going to do my best to uh, jump on the Skype, but it might be hard to line up with time and stuff, and possibly I won't really be paying much attention to the AFL while I'm away. But in the meantime, you can go to our Facebook page if you want to send us a message or just get involved in some banter, some respectful banter with other listeners of the show, Will. that's why? I mean, I haven't seen anyone attack anyone on our Facebook page, so let's keep it that way.
1: We don't have to. We we don't want to have to employ a behavioral behavioral awareness officer for our Facebook page.
0: <laughs> We're also on Twitter. You can follow us at cxcloson and Will's at what's what's your Twitter handle?
1: Uh, Will underscore Anderson. I don't underscore- really check. I don't really tweet oh. or check Twitter
0: much anymore, though. Yeah, I followed your advice. I deleted Twitter from my phone. It's uh, it's changed everything.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've deleted Twitter from my phone and Facebook from my phone, and I don't want to become one of those people who just talks about it all the time. Mm. But it
0: is the best thing that I have done in so long. Yeah. I mean, I I have found out that I am far less caught up in conflicts that have nothing to do with me. Right. Yeah, I just feel like much more relaxed. Yeah, I think the
1: world's probably equally as shitty as it always has been, but I feel much more relaxed about it. Ignorance is bliss. It, It genuinely is. I'm catching up on a lot of TV. Uh, Do you have any stand-up to promote? Uh, Darwin Festival. I'm doing my Will Eagle show up at the Darwin Festival. So if you're in Darwin, come along and see that. Play on,
0: not 15. Ball. We are two guys, one car.